This edition of the Standard Podcast is brought to you by Iberostar Hotels and Resorts. Hi, I'm John Weeks. And I'm Juliet Kinsman. And this is the Sustainable Travel Podcast, the world needed, don't you think? We're laying out the tips which up your positive impact and reduce your negative impact. But what does that mean? Well, it means looking at how our holidays and our work trips take advantage of every opportunity to be more considerate of nature and kinder to local communities, as well as thinking about ways to leave more of our money with the good guys. We're speaking to people in the know and we recommend the articles you need to read as featured in the standard sustainable travel campaign. Let's get into it. Now it's time to talk saving your pennies and saving the planet in the process when you go on holiday. Juliet, when you consider the millions of options you have when going away, renting an apartment's an option, staying in a huge resort, you could book a week in an independent B&B, there's seemingly no clear advice anywhere on which is the more eco option. Help us out. Yeah. So There are lots of accreditations and there are lots of people sticking nice little green leaf logos on things which suggest it's nicer for the environment. Um, I see so much research and reports as well on how people interpret this and most people see sustainability as costing more. They think it's going to cost them more. Unless, of course, let's be honest, one of the greenest things you can do is go camping. Yeah, of course. So is that just the number one option? or You know, I always just weigh everything up in terms of positive impact, negative impact. And I think you want to be, you know, you want to be net positive. So you want to leave less in your wake. You want to have a nicer, a nicer, lighter touch on the environment. You also might be considering your social impact. Should it cost more? No, it's just about thinking where your money's going and how you're spending it and who you're spending it with. Are your hosts people or a business that cares about doing good? Say you find a super eco holiday home that you can rent. It's got solar panels. It's got the heat pump. There's moss growing on the roof. It's got a rainwater tank for the shower, but it's way out of your budget. Are there any other ways of being eco with your accommodation? Oh, I was getting so excited because those are all such good signs that you just <laughs> mentioned. So you have to think about what's the carbon footprint for me staying with them? Mm. Are all of these, you know, wonderful facilities they might be offering, you know, is it does it require a lot of power for just a few people? Or if it's a bigger hotel and it's it's full, presumably, just like, you know, a low-cost airline, if it's full to capacity, the carbon footprint per passenger is going to be lower. It's got, you, you imagine it's similar. Of course, yeah. So I guess you don't really think about that. You see a big hotel with, you know, 100 showers and 100 bedrooms to worry about. You don't really think about that, do you? 100? I mean, yeah, it'd be <laughs> a 1,000. Exactly. You know, if, if, if they're using a certain amount of electricity for more people mm. in that space, that's actually more environmentally friendly, you could argue. It's always weighing things up. So those that feel that guilt about going away to a big resort like that, Take a bit of pressure off there. You're probably doing not too bad a job. Depending, depending on all the things you mentioned. Are they recycling their grey water? All these things that typically in the past we never investigated or looked at. But do they talk about it on their website? And I would I would say the big one is electricity. Do they have, it's such a small thing, but for mm. example, do they have key cards so that the room knows whether you're there or not to turn all the electricity off when you're in or out? And you know when you open or shut the window, automatically cuts off the air conditioning. Those kind of little tricks. If your host 
is doing that and they're measuring it and they talk about it, you know that they care more. I think when we talk about eco-accommodation and we talk about certainly places that cost less, we're going to picture little tree houses or shacks, <laughs> but that isn't necessarily how we all want to spend our holiday. So it's weighing up what the sort of mainstream options are as well. So are there any cases where being more sustainable is actually naturally the cheaper option while you're away? Yeah, I often think eco is not just, you know, ecologically more friendly, but economically more friendly, definitely. Well, you, 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 need to, you need to just travel a little bit more leanly and really focus on the local. And that's going to be win-win. So in terms of travel leaner, what do I mean? Use less, consume less. Don't order that fancy imported steak or imported wine on the menu. Have what's local. The local cuisine is going to give you a much more authentic taste and experience. And it's, you know, it's going to cost less too. So often eco equals economically better. Absolutely. So wine and cheese in France, fine. Wagyu beef, save that for your trip to Japan. <laughs> In theory, I mean, gosh, it's also, you know, all of these things is weighing everything up, which always sounds exhausting. But I do think a lot of it is pretty, it's common sense, really. It's common sense. And also it's, I don't know about you, when you traveled when you were young, but I had to go on holiday with my grandparents sometimes, you know, taking that pack lunch, having that Tupperware, popping into a deli maybe, rather than just buying everything as you're on the move from the most expensive option, instead of going to, you know, the expensive airport cafe, just really just planning in advance. Absolutely. Old fashioned. <laughs> Old fashioned. <laughs> So, Juliet, if you're going to a travel agent to book all or even parts of your trip away, how do you get the most eco option out of them? What questions should you ask them? So those in the travel industry who are most responsible and conscious of, of positive impact would say you should ask your travel agents about where the money is going. Bruce Poon Tip, he's founder of G Adventures, he always encourages all of us to try and leave as much money as possible in local pockets. He would say we need to ask, how do you, operators, hosts, try and make sure my money is staying in local pockets. Now, Bruce will tell us that the easiest and best way to ensure money stays in a destination, we have to do a little bit of research, find out where our money's going. Uh, they're really the pioneers of community tourism. They even, G Adventures even has a ripple score, which is designed to provide transparency around the well, the local economic impact of, of one of their tours, and they mark it out of 100. So if it's, let's say it has 100, it means all of the services they've used to create that specific trip are locally owned. So that's pretty impressive. Okay, so they ripple out. There's exactly. a ripple effect around the local. Okay. Exactly. They've got that score. But, you know, unfortunately, most businesses don't have that. So we have to just keep asking them. And you get a good sense whether they're telling the truth or whether they even know what you're talking about and why it matters. <laughs> Kat Jones, who's founder of Train Travel Specialist Byway, she's going to suggest that you, you try and travel by rail wherever possible and would encourage us to ask our agents, can they recommend an itinerary which allows us to travel abroad without flying? Now, why does this matter? Well, we know flying less is going to be one of the most impactful things we can do as individuals for the climate. So, you know, if we speak to a travel agent, could I do this trip traveling by train? And you mentioned train travel there. Can train travel actually be more expensive? Well, it, 
Obviously, it can be. That's the challenge. You know, you see these these low cost airlines are tantalizingly cheap flights. So the tricks are, well, I always travel by taking an interrail pass. So that helps you do multiple stops. And so often, if you as far in advance as possible that you can book, you're mm. going to get a bargain. So that might be the thing to do with train travel. I'll tell you who's definitely going to be advocating for train travel. That's going to be Phoebe Smith. I would talk to her about the best way to travel, well, maybe on a budget and definitely get more value for money. I'm now joined by Phoebe Smith, Sustainability Travel Writer of the Year 2022. How are you, Phoebe? I'm very good, thanks. How are you? Yes, not bad. Thank you very much. And I wanted to start off with talking about how we Brits love a bargain. We all know there are certain countries where the pound really does get you more. Are we genuinely helping those places when we spend there? It really depends on where we go and what we do. So, yes, we all know the kind of the situation when we're with travel is that you could argue to be the most sustainable. You wouldn't travel anywhere because you'd be cutting your carbon emissions right down. But of course, we also know that some countries, their whole GDP is reliant on tourism. And actually, by having eyes on the ground, it can really help develop projects within, you know, very deprived areas and also help with things like wildlife conservation and environmental projects. So it's all about a balance of where we're spending the money and particularly places that have just had Something happened that stopped everyone going. The thing that will help them get back on their feet is for us to start going back. Obviously not as soon as it's happened, but when things are starting to be rebuilt, it's actually the tourist dollar or pound that's really going to help them be able to carry on in their in their businesses and, and catering for tourists. So it pays to do research and also to check that companies that you use when you're on the ground are locally owned and operated companies. You know, there's so many big chains that can sometimes hide behind these kind of local names and very little money goes to the local people. So that's where I'd say do your research to know that every sort of pound or rand or dollar, whatever you're spending actually stays as much as possible in the country that you're spending it in. And when it comes to choosing where to go on holiday, so many of the destinations we see these days are often those shared on Instagram and other social media. Are those places likely to be more expensive as a result? And are we better off going elsewhere anyway? Yeah, so um, this has been a really new phenomena and kind of shocked me uh, speaking to a group of sort of 18 year olds about travel writing and how many hadn't heard of, you know, the good old fashioned guidebooks. They didn't know any of the guidebook companies and it kind of was lost them because, like you said, everything was done through Instagram. I mean, Instagram can be really good at highlighting issues on the ground that need highlighting, but it can also, like everything, the negative side of it is it tends to draw people to go to the Instagrammable place, which I've lost count of the number of press releases I've got that have told me the most Instagrammable spots in a certain destination. So yeah, of course that can drive the prices up. It can also cause overcrowding. The problem with that, of course, is erosion on the ground. It gets locals quite annoyed because, you know, if there's too many people, there can be rubbish issues and it can, it doesn't spread the money around. And also some of these places on Instagram that we see may look beautiful, but there's a lot that people do to make it that way. A lot of people go there at a certain time or manage to film in such a way it looks completely uncrowded but actually the reality is behind them there's like mobs of people so I'd say perhaps use that as inspiration for a country to go to but then try and look 
pick up an old-fashioned guidebook, look online and try and, and go on the ground and ask locals where they would recommend that you go. Because that way you're spreading the money around and you're going to probably get a place all to yourself. And how about eating food abroad? Juliet's already spoken about how eating local food where you can is a really good thing you can do to actually find something that's affordable but also quite good. Are there any other sort of simple ways of finding affordable food that is also sustainable wherever you are? Yeah, I think it goes down to asking asking a lot of questions. I think the most sustainable and certainly responsible travellers are the ones who ask questions. And it pays to, when you go into a, a restaurant or, you know, a street food vendor, ask them where the food came from. Often it can be, it can be imported in. I was really shocked, actually, when I was in Namibia recently. And Namibia famously has a big stretch of coastline where we know people fish, but none of the fish you can buy in Namibia comes from those waters. It's all flown in from South Africa and sometimes further afield than that, actually very often further afield than that. And that's got a massive carbon footprint to it. Whereas actually, if you ask the locals what they're eating, they'll tend to eat something that's been reared much more locally. And, you know, it's probably not what everyone wants to hear, but eating vegetarian or vegan diets, plant-based basically, is always a safer bet that you're going to be cutting down on your food miles. And looking at keeping things affordable when actually travelling, whether that's to your destination or travelling around your destination, what are your sort of top tips really for how we do keep things affordable? I think don't always think that you have to get there by flying is the is the, the first and foremost, I'd say. A lot of people sort of say, oh, well, trains or ferries can be a bit more expensive. But actually, if you actually look into how much it costs, they're pretty much now on a par. They're about the same. But you're often on a boat overnight or on a sleeper train. And not only does that mean that you're saving nights accommodation on the way, but you're immersing yourself a little bit more into the place and getting to speak to more people. And I think I think as well, the value of not necessarily signing up for things before you go and actually on the ground going and finding local operators who offer things often much cheaper and much less marked up than somewhere that your book pre-trip through a company that's based in your country can be another way to do it. And yeah, I think just I, research is really, really key. You can find Phoebe's full article on how to travel sustainably on a budget at standard.co.uk. And there's a link straight to it in the show notes. So that's episode two of the Leaders Sustainable Travel Series. Next up, let's learn about the best places to go off season. See you next week. This episode of The Standard Podcast was brought to you by Iberostar Hotels and Resorts.